Good morning. Um, in this uh, three-part mini-series, it is our hope that it will generate some discussion and force thoughtful reflection on what on the topic of money. And uh, it is, as the, the earlier speakers have said, it is reflection or not, um, you know, on, on what we have. We do have a lot. Reflection should be on what do we do with what we have. Uh, the focus of this message is on the spiritual aspect of money. It is a, a very unexpected development. I had been working on uh, this sermon for a whole week. I didn't feel a relief to preach on C and G. You know, there was so much obstacle on this that uh, later on when I... Um, uh, waited on the Lord, I just feel that I should be talking about the spiritual aspect of managing our finance. Now, you, you may or may not agree with the first part of my sermon, all right? but whether you perceive or whether you believe that uh, the Satan uh, is operating in this area of finance, I want to su submit to you and suggest to you that a battle is taking place even right now. Literally, a battle is taking place in the spiritual realm. Uh, but I'm just suggesting to you that in the area, the arena of, uh, of, of our finance, something spiritual is also happening. This is, this is really what I want to share today. Now, why do I say this? I Take from this verse. Let's just read this. Matthew 6.24 says, these are the words of Jesus. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What did Jesus mean that we cannot serve God and mammon? What on earth is mammoth? And if mammoth is uh, synonymous with money, as in some commentaries it, it, it says that, then the obvious conclusion is to avoid money, avoid contact with money and, and be clean. Of course, this cannot be. Uh, Matthew 6.24, Jesus personified mammoth. Jesus is talking about something that claims devotion, that demands loyalty, that who wants to be served. And in the Aramaic uh, word, which is, uh, of course, the, the language used by Jesus in, in these days, uh, Aramaic word, mammon denotes an entity that exists in the spiritual realm. And I think it is probably right because in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we are told that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and, and also powers in the heavenly places. And I want to submit to you that mammon fits the category of these powers in the unseen realm. Right? So, th this is what I suggest to you. Uh, the Lord is contra was contrasting two spiritual entities. God is a master. Right? Let me just, uh, yeah, just finish what I want to say. God is a master. The spirit of Mammon wants to be a master. And this spirit of Mammon is manifested through our relationship with money. Mammon is a power that seeks to replace God. Jesus placed Mammon in the position that is diametrically opposed to God. Otherwise, in, in other words, it's anti-God. Mammon competes directly with God for our hearts. 
And that's why Jesus demands that we choose between God and Mammon. So you, you, you see how seriously God or Jesus viewed this thing called Mammon. And of course, Jesus knew uh, that whoever comes under the influence of Mammon will have the heart sold to Mammon. And for where the, your treasure is, Matthew 6, 21, there your heart will be also. Uh, it, it is a serious topic, therefore, I think that I must address, even if you do not entirely agree with me, that there is such a thing as a spirit of Mammon, that, that it is, there is a spiritual aspect to finance, but just hear me out, all right? Now, how does the spirit of Mammon operate I believe that any spirit operating in, the, in Satan's kingdom, they have the same agenda. The agenda of the kingdom of darkness and all his servants and, and uh, the beings in the dark world is to steal our devotion to God. And so in, our, in the area of finance, as in actually in all other areas of our lives, Satan's assault is very insidious. It's not obvious. It is actually very deceptive. So Mammon will try to give, uh, I've, I've said here, uh, validity, legitimacy uh, to this economic system that he has set up. Right? So uh, Matthew 13, 22 says that, uh, you know, in the parable of the sower, right, that is one category of people who received the seed and it was because it was sown among the thorns. These, these are the people who hears the word and the cares of the world or worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches will choke the word and they become unfruitful. So let me just tell you how this spirit of mammon works, all right? In two areas, two lies. This is how the spirit of Mammon, how, how Satan lies to us. Number one, that money is our source. This is what I mean. What I mean is that the spirit of Mammon will entice people to ascribe power to money. That it is very important. It is a wonderful thing to have. Uh, a person with, with money is taught to be powerful. A person, a rich man has prestige. A rich man is honoured. A rich man is respected. They are just treated better. Uh, richer is just better. Money is power. It is therefore attractive uh, to, to accumulate wealth. And uh, then it, it, that is the, the goal to the good life. So this is, this is lie number one on the left. The attitude then, that we have, if we buy into this life, is that I, I just want to have more. Money is, rich is better, money is power. On the second side, on the right-hand side, the second lie, I believe, is this. The spirit of mammon, Satan, would want us to believe that we are the source of our financial provision. So what I mean is this, you know, uh, in the system that we want, the, the economy of the world that we are very used to, well, it depends on how hard you work, through your employment, through your savings. And it is through your savings uh, that you are supplied. It is through your earnings and savings that you feel secure. So it is a good thing. And the attitude is that I, the channel through which money comes then becomes my source. I am my saviour. I will help myself. It depends on me. So with these two lies see how people's attitude towards money is what, what we see today, right? The pursuit of money. Now, I, let, 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 me, let me just uh, uh, explain this slide uh, to you. I'm not saying that financial planning uh, <laughs> has no place. It is good. Uh, Savings, earnings is legitimate. It is wise. We need to be planning. So you, you look at it. We, we have so many needs, right? On the left-hand side, I need to provide for my family, of course. So you must, on the right-hand side, set aside money for your current needs. 
I, I need to plan for my children's education. Of course you need to. And therefore, you must set aside for potential needs. They're going to grow up very fast. I, I, I need to be ready for possible crisis, of course. You need to. And therefore, let's put aside something for the unexpected. And, and what about, how about extraordinary, extraordinary needs like medical expenses? Of course, of course, that's very reasonable. Reserve money for exceptional needs. But, and I'm going to retire one day. Yes you must save for your retirement needs. And, and what if, what if, what if my children want to go overseas? What if I live a very long life? Like Lee Kuan Yew, 92, 93, will I have enough? What if I'm unexpectedly retrenched? Yes. All of these are contingencies and we need to build a really healthy surplus to take care of all possible contingencies. Now, let me just repeat this. I don't think it is wrong for us to be working hard to grow our income, to save for the future, to have a financial plan, to buy insurance, to enjoy fine goods and to go for holidays and, and to buy a uh, 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 a bigger house, to acquire a second car, to purchase nice things. Not wrong. They are good and legitimate. But what the spirit of mammoth does to us is this. Gradually, very subtly, insidiously, the God of this age, the Bible says that Satan is a God of this age, he will change our attitude towards wealth. And actually, he governs this monetary system. The, the things of the world, the world and everything belong of the world is not of, of the Father. Right? We are not to love the world, but although we are in the world, he governs the system. He is a mastermind, a strategist. A strategist behind all temptations. And he has one aim, as I've said at the beginning of the, of the sermon, the aim is to dilute our love for God and to steal our hearts. And we know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. 1 John 5, 19. So, really the danger is not in our diligence, hard work, savings, planning, but our attitude towards these things. And it could be slowly changing. Look at what Paul told Timothy Warning Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 9 to 10. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and you look at the words I've highlighted in yellow. They are trapped by foolish and harmful desires. They are plunged into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Evil. And some craving money, they will wander away from God, wander away from the faith, and they will pierce themselves with sorrows. This is what, of course, this is the goal of the devil. True, the spirit of mammon. And so I feel that it is very important for us to identify the spirit of mammon so that we will not be uh, ensnared, gripped by the spirit. You know, when uh, Jesus uh, was uh, visited by the rich young ruler in Mark 10, uh, verse 17 to 22. Mark 10, 17. And he called Jesus, good teacher, what must I do, right, to eternal life? And, and Jesus named the first six commandments. You don't do this, this, and say, oh, I've, I've done this from the beginning since I was young. Then, all right. And then he didn't go further, just the first six. And he said that, well, I tell you what you do. You sell everything you have, take the money and give everything away. I, you know, Jesus is not really after the money. You know that, right? Jesus could see that there is a conflict, a spiritual conflict between love for God and love for mammon. And this man was in the grip of the spirit of mammon. And that is the only way to deliver this man is to... Just advise him to do this and see himself. Of course, it was not possible. Not, not then. He had to walk away. 
not doing what Jesus wanted him to do. Let me tell you this uh, quickly, all right, what I think are some of the symptoms of people who uh, are under the influence of the spirit of mammon. Number one, I think that people who have the spirit of mammon controlling, influencing them will uh, place confidence in, in money as a source, especially for the future. First Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world. This is Paul telling Timothy to command the rich members in the church. Do not put their hope in wealth. Why need to, to tell church people that? Because this is what money uh, do to us. And we uh, command them to put their hope in God. I think that people who are under the influence of the Spirit Amendment are also driven to make money. The Spirit of Mammon feeds our greed so that there is never enough. Uh, we are never quite satisfied. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. But people who long to be rich, they will have harmful desires. For the love of money, for the craving of money, they will wander away from true faith. So, so the third one, I think, uh, this is not an exhaustive list. I'll just give you a few. People who are under the influence of the Spirit of Mammon will have insecurity and, and the fear of lack. You know, there's this anxiety and worry about the future. And so Jesus had to tell the disciples in the Sermon of the Mount, right? Do uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 27. Don't store up uh, treasures here on earth. I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough don't worry. And it is a symptom that we are gripped and controlled by something. And uh, uh, people who are under the spirit of amendment are also self-indulgent. You know, with a career up upgrade, it comes with a salary upgrade and usually a lifestyle upgrade. And we, it's very natural, right? It's, it's natural that we just feel that uh, as we are financially blessed, that we want to raise our, also our standard of living. But under the power of the spirit of mammon, there is a sense of entitlement. I've worked hard and I should, I'm entitled to, uh, well, to indulge a little bit. So they are indulgent and I have two verses there for you. Second Timothy 3.2 uh, says that, for people will love themselves. Actually, those people who have a lot of money will love themselves and they want to indulge in themselves. James 5, verse 1 to 5. Look here, you rich people. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying every desire. It, 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 is, it is one of the things that can happen to us when we are under the power and the grip of, of money. And the last one, very quickly, uh, we will find it very hard to part with money. As long as money is our source and the determining factor in our lives, we have to be very careful how we spend it. And as long as our needs are not all adequately provided for, I mean, there are so many boxes there, and these boxes are not full yet, uh, we, we can't let go until we have more. So it, it's, if, if there's more, the assumption is that it's for me. So let me just summarize this before I go on uh, to another important section. Uh, when the spirit of mammon is, is operating, then money will be a determining factor in life. This person will feel that he doesn't have enough. He will always feel that he needs more. He will be protective of his money. He will fear losing money. He will be worried about lack. He will be slow to give. He will be reluctant to share. He will be quibbling over insignificant amounts. Actually, we are warned that in the last days, many people will be like this. In the last days, Paul said, and warning uh, Timothy, people will only love themselves and their money. Now, I want to now talk about God's economy. God's economy is totally different. There are two economic systems. And I want to explain to you what uh, in, the, in the kingdom of God, what it is like. In God's economy, it operates on the principle 
of receiving and giving. Whereas on the domain of Satan, uh, the, the operating system is earning, spending, preserving. Well, of course, it's not wrong. We, we need to earn, we need to spend, we need to, uh, to, to be saving. But you see, we are, we are of the world. And so we, we, we operate under, in the system of the world. So you, you look at this, uh, uh, the verses that I put there, uh, because it is instructive. Uh, even though we are in the world system, we are not caught up in the system, all right? Uh, so b- back to this chart. In the kingdom of God, the operating principle is receiving and giving. And the attitude is this, that provisions are always abundant. Whereas in, on the other kingdom, we always people of the world, people who are under the grip of the spirit of, of mammon, always feel that it's lack. there is scarcity of commodities, scarcity of money, but, but not so in the kingdom of God. God is our source. In fact, God, it's not, that, it's not only that God is our source, God enables us to enjoy what He, he provides. So, money is our servant and on the God's side, but money is the master on the other side. I know there's not a lot of stories, but a lot of teaching. Just endure for a little while. It may, it may seem a bit heavy, but I'm going, to, I'm going to push on. I'm going to push on and quickly clear this part, and I'll show you how this operating principle works. All right? So let's, let's uh, look at a few verses more carefully, and I'll explain to you uh, what is God's economy like? How, what is the operating system? The operating system, I, as I've said, is in receiving and giving. We receive from God and we give. We receive and we give. This is the system. This is God's economy. We don't have to earn, keep, preserve and spend and worry whether we have enough because everything depends on me. I better have sufficient. I cannot suffer lack. It's not like that. It, is, it operates in a system of abundance. God will always supply. So, Matthew 10, 10 8, freely you receive, freely give. And Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given to you. And in Philippians 4, 14 to 18, yet I, uh, it was good, uh, Paul told the, the Philippians, it was so good for you to share in my troubles. In the early days of our, your acquaintance with the gospel, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving, and in receiving, except you, you only. Not that I desire to have this gift because you said I'm amply supplied. What I desire is that more be credited into your account. I have received full payment. I have more than enough. They are a fragrant offering. See, your giving, your gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, and it is pleasing to God. Um, in kingdom finances, there is a debit and credit account for us. We, we know that only that we, are, we don't always remember and are conscious of it. In giving and in receiving, God keeps accounts. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, uh, Timothy, uh, Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present age not to put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in God. And he said this, He richly provides us with everything for, and for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich, rich in good deeds, to be generous, to be willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming agency. There's a debit and credit account. God keeps accounts. And then in the case of Cornelius, uh, this is Acts 10, uh, verse 3 and 4, an angel of the Lord came to Cornelius and Cornelius, Cornelius, and said, yes, he was afraid and he looked up. What is it, Lord? And the angel told him, your prayers and your gifts of money have gone up to God. He has remembered them. See, there's a debit and credit account. There is account keeping. So, giving, that's the economy of God. Giving, receiving, giving and receiving. The purpose of our receiving is so that we can release a blessing. And if that is true, 
If the purpose of our receiving is so that we can release a blessing, then we can ask for funding. Ask for funding. And all these verses then will make sense. Uh, John 16, 23, I, for sure I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I put the small cross-reference, James 4, 3, uh, because James said, well, you asked because you didn't receive, because it's, you asked for your selfish gain, all right? So that's the uh, wrong motive. Mark eleven twenty four. I say to you, whatever you ask in my name, have faith and you will receive it. Then you will get it. Of course, the second uh, Corinthians 9, 8 to 15 one is a better verse. Let me, uh, so I, I quoted extensively from here. God is able to shower all kinds of blessing on you so that in all things, all times, you have everything you need. You will, have, you will do more and more good works and God will supply seeds for the person who plants. God will also supply and He will increase the amount of your seeds. He will increase the result of your good works and you will be made rich in every way so that you can always freely give. Can, can there be a verse that is clearer about how the economy of the kingdom of God works? Receiving, giving. Giving, receiving. That's how it operates. Now, the spirit of mammon has to be dealt with. So now we talk about C and G. I know it's already 10.10. It looks like a very long introduction, but I've got good news for you. I am not going to talk about both because it was a trap by the pastor. <laughs> he knows I cannot preach two sermons in one. I have to choose contentment or generosity. Today, I will concentrate on generosity. I believe that the spirit of mammon can be broken by generosity because generosity is, is a totally different spirit from the spirit of mammon. Generosity operates from overflow, abundance, out of surplus. Not, not necessarily that you're rich, but you have enough. Remember the, uh, the Macedonian church gave out of their poverty because they had, this, they had determined, I have enough. Please give me the privilege to give this part that I can share. So it operates from uh, the spirit of an overflow. I have enough and therefore I can give the rest. A generous spirit is always looking out, but uh, the spirit of mammon working in us is always looking at, do I have enough? I better save enough first before I help other people. I better make provisions for myself in this area before I think about investing. It's always inward. The spirit of generosity is a totally opposite spirit. Right? So we must make generosity a priority in order to break the spirit of, genero uh, of, of mammon, uh, of lack in us. But don't give, well, as far as possible. Not, not that you should not give on the, uh, spontaneously on the impulse. Many times you just have to do it. On the moment, you just feel like it and you do it. I, I, I'm not saying it's wrong. But, but there is in our heart, uh, we are not completely cured from the spirit of mammon. Uh. This is what I'm saying. It, is, it will always be a bit of a struggle. Okay? And so if we always act on the moment, on impulse, we will tend to withhold, we will tend to be a bit cautious with giving. Giving tends to be sporadic and sparing when it is spontaneous, although spontaneous giving is good. So what must we do? I want to suggest, first you make generosity a priority. Next, generosity must be planned. Do I have a basis for this? Yes. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. Here is something to remember. The one who 
the one who plants only a little will gather a little, and the one who plants, plants a lot will gather a lot. Okay, so this is generosity. It's up to you. No compulsion. It's, there is no fear. Participation is based purely on your willingness and uh, uh, trust in me. Okay, so you, you do it. You set the standard. And then verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You decide in advance. You shouldn't give if you don't want to. You shouldn't give because you're forced to. Because God loves a cheerful giver. So the only condition to participate in God's economy is cheerfulness, willingness. If you, if you have this attitude, we are all men, we are co-workers with God in this thing, this wonderful act of grace that is happening in God's economy where we receive and we give and, and God give us and we receive and the, the economy, the, we, you know, we'll amply supply and we have enough to give and we are happy to receive and it just go round and round and the, the world will just go round. Uh, uh, not, not money makes the world go round, but uh, uh, God will just make, uh, you know, this, the, the spiritual economy work. This is God's economic plan, right? Uh, two more verses for you. I believe that God creates opportunity for us to do good. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11 and 12. Uh, he told the Corinthians, Now, Corinthians, finish the work. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. Now, according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. So, so it's all right to plan and give out of your... But what you have, if you are very limited, you give a little, it's fine. Because God will receive this gift just on the basis of the heart. You know, it's, it's just wonderful. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 9.11 And you will be enriched in every way for what? So that. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Is it, is it clear? It's very clear and that God will enrich us and God wants to give us so that we can be generous on every occasion. So this is the economy of God. Giving, receiving, receiving, giving. Not earning, keeping, saving, planning, and we just... For the future, that is the economy of the other world. Right? Now, I believe that we are partners in ministry. God is the owner. I am his distributor. And God will increase my store of seeds because I'm selling well. And he will enable me to abound in every good work. It is Him who makes it possible for me to receive and He enables me, He shows me where He wants to give and He creates opportunity. Now, I want to give you a few stories, right? Uh, these are very good stories. I've kept for a day like this. <laughs> so, this is a really a bonus, all right? Now, there was once when, uh, well, this, this church member told me not to mention her name, but some of you who had a meal uh, together with her, you, you know who I'm referring to. There was once uh, we, we gave uh, a birthday party for another church member, and this, this other church member was just relating to the story that there was once when her house was under renovation, and so she had to move out. And, uh, but, of course, uh, you know, she, there were still things in the house. She would go back to just uh, inspect, just to check on progress. But every day when she went back, she, she would not go back empty-handed. Always with a flask, flask full of hot brewed coffee for the workers and a tin of biscuits. And she would check every day to see whether it needed replenishment. So, of course, at the end of the day, it will be all finished. And uh, so at the end of the contract period, when the renovation was over, it was time for handing over. Uh, this, 
the contractor spoke to my friend and he said, uh, are you a Christian? I said, yes. How do you know? Your Christians uh, will do kind things. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sure this church friend of mine had it in her heart. It was not just one day, oh, what should I do today? Uh, are they thirsty? No, and she planned that, no, I, I'm going to do this, right? Every day, they will have hot coffee to drink. And they will have snacks anytime. And I will replenish. Okay, I want good examples, and I'm going to learn from her. Because we are always learning how to be generous. I'll give another example. You know, there was once when a church member in this church... Uh, not very well to do. She was, she was really needy and her fridge broke down. And of course, she had a tenant. You cannot not have a fridge. So she called for help that, oh, I don't know what to do. Please pray for me and all that. So you know what I was thinking? I'm going to call a few friends and I'm going to pass the word around. Who has a fridge to give away? Maybe you want to upgrade. I mean, uh, 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 Things like that do happen, right? Occasionally, somebody wants to move house and give away old fridge. So I pass the word around. And this friend received my message. And immediately, she called me and she said that, Edwin, do not take, accept all refrigerators, all right? Because uh, they'll probably shut down. And I mean, they, they have to be operating when you shut down. They always have problems and they, they won't last very long. I'll tell you what I do. This is what I plan to do. I am going to sponsor half the cost of this bridge if you will pay the other half. <laughs> I say, all right, <laughs> I'll pay the other half. And say, okay, and I am going to look for the best bridge at the best price for you. She did it. She, she went, she bargained for it, she arranged for uh, the transport. This is a nice bridge. My contribution was, I, this person doesn't know my church friend. You see, don't tell her that I did this. She doesn't need to know. I just want to bless somebody. In fact, she's always thinking about whether there's an opportunity to bless someone. So I, I know she, everything is planned because at certain times of the year, who will get what? Uh, pastors will get these gifts at their birthdays, what kind of meals they will. So she, she plans the good works. She will have contacts with a lot of people because she wants to be in know whether there are furniture that people may want to dispose and she will remember who needs what and she will call, I have the bait for you. And this is the kind of thing she does. And so, is it a, a surprise that she responded that I'm going to pay for half the cost of the fridge? Because it was planned. So generosity is best when we have thought about it. We have decided in our hearts how much we want to get. I'll give you another story. Now, I've got a very good neighbor. It's, it's very, very rare these days. Huh? I live in a HDB flat and uh, uh, everybody's doors is closed. Off. I'm including my door. Okay? It's closed all the time. All right? So occasionally, I'll bump into my neighbor and we will greet and she'll be very friendly and then, uh, then she will buy me a present I got to then buy back. Lah, you know? So... <laughs> Uh, uh, she blessed me for Christmas. I'll bless her for Christmas. And then, uh, then she, she travels. She will get me a little gift. And then I will buy the son a, a little present for the son's birthday and all that. But, you know, one day I decided, God, I want to bless my neighbor. What she is doing, she's richer than I am. She has no needs. How can I bless her? I want to be generous towards her. So one day, about Christmas time, uh, she knocked on my door and said, Edwin, I just wonder whether it's possible. I'm so sorry to impose upon you, but I really need a bit of help. Uh, I, I'm preparing a lot of things for Christmas and parties and all that, and I need a bit of a fridge space. Do you mind if I, I put some of these things in your fridge? And I told her, Diana, you can use my fridge. I say, Wait. I went to my drawer. I gave her a spare key. This is the key. You can enter my place anytime. The fridge is yours. You know, uh, you know what, what, what uh, is in the bachelor's fridge, right? Ice. 
ice cream, <laughs> some cold water, and chocolates. Occasionally fruits, nothing else. She was so happy. It has, I mean, that was last December. This is June. She has my key. She walks in and out. And, you know, the wonderful thing about this is that giving, receiving, giving, receiving, right? Some days when my, I feel down and I just feel abused in the office. Not, not true. <laughs> I just feel that I work very hard. I work very, very late. I feel very tired. I go home and I see dinner on my table. I assure you, I... I that, that, that was not part. I didn't manipulate her or whatever. <laughs> it is a surprise. You know who got, who could have prompted her to do that, to boost my morale? I think God. Because on those days when I just feel that, uh, when sorry for myself, dinner, and giving, receiving, receiving, I gave. And I understand this is the economy of God. This is how it works. And uh, there was once when, of course, there's always this, I told you, there's a bit of a reluctance, like, you know, uh, giving a bit of gifts and so But what about giving money? That, that, that's a bit harder, all right? This, this, is, this is the last animal that, to slaughter is, the, is a mon- giving of money. One day, a friend needed money. And uh, well, the, the, through my interaction with, with this person, I realized that, oh, uh, that actually she was not uh, keeping up with his medical appointments, you know. B- because he said, well, uh, I, I'm a bit short of money and it's really expensive. See, you, you shouldn't do that. How much do you need? So he, she, he asked for a small amount and I, and, and I just loaned it to him. And then, of course, it didn't last very long. And then, are you going for your medical appointments? No. And so, how much do you need? So I extended another loan. I know it was, it was a genuine and... Um, since he asked the second time, I gave him the second and the third time, and then it came up to about maybe 5000 over dollars. But I, I knew that there were some funds coming his way because there was some insurance money that was coming. So I expected him that he would pay when he has money, but he didn't. <laughs> so I was really angry. I felt used. I felt that he was dishonest. And as a lawyer, I felt like suing and I thought, no, lah, so troublesome to sue. So I said, forget it. Lah. So I went to God and I confessed to God. When I gave, I gave willingly, right? Yes, I did. It was a genuine, it was an assessment of a genuine need, right? Yes. And I was prompted to give, right? Yes. So it's my money, right? Kind of, yes. <laughs> so, all right, God, I release to you. It doesn't matter. Yes. I release it to you, it, it, it won't bother me anymore. I really, I really had peace. Immediately after that morning's quiet time, I had peace the whole day. And I didn't think about it anymore. The next day, I received a call from this man. Hi, Edwin. I, I wonder whether you're free today. I want to come to your office to return the money. 24 hours after that surrender prayer. Because something broke. The spirit of mammon broke and I was in God's economy again, re- receiving, giving. And she said, oh, why didn't you, why didn't you get my calls? And problem with the phone. And I was really busy in the past. Sorry, I was, I was so busy in the, uh, this, these few weeks, but there was a problem with the phone. Here is the money. Thank you so much for doing it for me. Ah, you know, good story. And, you know, I have learned generosity. Generosity has to be learned. And when it comes to Christian hospitality, you just need to have one good example and you will remember forever. You remember, I remember the time when I was a, a chairman of a, a committee to plan for the Thanksgiving service. And, you know, you know we, just, we just host meeting for all the committee members. And I know that Eileen and, and Simon Hood invited me to their house so surprised to see their generosity and their hospitality. I will never forget the experience of the banquet for just uh, well, one of the committee meetings. Of course, when it comes to generosity and, and abundance and hospitality, I think Annie is a great example. I, knew, I know Benny and uh, uh, it's, Brenda is very hard to match, but I am learning. 
that I'm a single guy, all right? So not the same standard, but I'm really learning what generosity and goodness looks like. And I want to benchmark my conduct to theirs because God has certainly worked in their lives and it is an expression of God's love and goodness. And I want to grow in this area. And so, you know, like I said, we need to plan. So in the beginning, uh, since a few years ago, I have uh, thought about it, all right, that uh, with the resources that God gives me, it cannot be sporadic. I cannot wait for the days when you, one of your kids are downstairs and we, they flip the little card and they say, Uncle, can you give something? And I got to look for the smallest denomination box and sign. And, and it cannot be like this anymore. It has to be planned. So I have planned to give to uh, Christian charities, uh, other charities, and then in terms of hospitality, I have also decided that out of 365 days in a year, I am prepared to be inconvenienced for two weeks. Meaning, of course, it's very inconvenient for you know, people staying in my house, going and sharing and everything, and I've got to entertain them. But for two weeks, I will, give, I will share my home, my room, my time, my privacy, for anybody who needs to use my place. In days only, out of 365. But I've decided, so uh, when a request comes, it's not difficult. Uh, it, it usually be a yes. Yeah, you know, because I, I'm mentally prepared for it. Uh, in terms of child sponsorship too, if not for Vincent Lau's invitation to me to participate in this good work in Vietnam, I probably would not be doing anything about it. But uh, because of his invitation, and uh, the news uh, feedback, and, and recently uh, the, the, the missionaries from Vietnam came and we talked, and I, I got to be more aware of the situation there. It's a lot easier uh, for me to be giving. In fact, I want to increase my giving. And the other area is in, in uh, overseas mission. I, never, I always supported local missionaries, people from Campus Jesus of Christ and, and all that, local missionaries. So I thought about why not overseas missionaries? People I have no contact with, I don't know. And then God created the opportunity too. You see, God is the one who gives us the opportunity so that we can express His love if we are willing, if we are, if we are trusting. And so, for out of the blues, Juliana from our church, Jackie's daughter said that, well, I have some missionary friends who wants to uh, need a place to, to stay for two weeks. So, okay, two weeks. And then when I spend time with them for two weeks, I got to know about their needs, their ministry, and everything about Mongolia. I mean, it's Mongolia, you know. I never, th- see, I never think about Mongolia. It's just too far and just too, like, offensive. But they are not very prominent as a country and uh, not, not really a hot, hot holiday. That's I, I don't think about Mongolia. But since they are coming, I think about Mongolia. And they have been giving me information about Mongolia. And of course, I'm now supporting them as missionaries. It has to be planned. Brothers and sisters, we are co-workers with Christ in this wonderful grace. Finishing, yeah. Grace, giving is a grace. 2 Corinthians 9.14 And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Paul was talking about the grace of giving. The surpassing grace that's working in you will result in their needs being met and God being praised. 2 Corinthians 6.1 as, as God's co-worker, we urge you, not to receive this grace in vain. Um, you know, in everything, we need to grow in the area of generosity. We need to excel. I back it up with this verse. Watch and learn from others. Second Corinthians eight seven. 
Since you excel in everything, you excel in faith, you excel in speech, you excel in knowledge, in complete earnestness and love that you have, that have uh, the love we have kindled in you, I tell you, Paul said, see to it. Please make sure, please pay attention, please give priority, please see to it that you excel in the grace of of giving. I believe that this is the message for today. There is a spirit of mammoth that is working in us through the world system. It's a very, it sounds very logical. It sounds that you know, it's, it's a system that we're so used to the system that we have bought into. But this spirit of mammon is, is doing something in our hearts. It's corrupting our hearts. It's closing our hearts. It's making us fearful of the future. It's making us hot. I mean, we, we do give, but sparingly. We are not tapping into the economy of God which is the economy of abundance, of riches, of blessings, of crediting into eternal accounts. It is a wonderful economy to participate in. We are not ripping the dividends that is our birthright. Why? Because we subscribe to another system. And so, I think God wants us to respond to him today. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God, he purchased us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. We will never lack. We have a special access to God. We have the word of God to tell us what pleases him and how to do things. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, excel in the grace of giving. Ask the musicians to come forward as we uh, spend a few quiet moments to respond to God in the way that God requires. I want to lead you in a time of prayer. You know, I didn't intend to share this message. It was supposed to be just contentment. Of course, I can take another hour with contentment, even with your generous heart. I don't think you'll give me another hour. So let's keep it for another time. Contentment is a, a great topic. I already have a sermon developed on contentment. Uh, but for today, this is enough. Let's just ask God to help us. Let's bow down word of prayer before we close in a song. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us bread for our daily sustenance and thank you for giving us seeds for future investment. You are the true source of wealth because you own all the seeds and thank you for meeting all our needs and beyond that, beyond meeting our needs, you have made us channels of blessing to display your glory. We do not lack. No, we have enough. Forgive us of our greed. Satan has been busy corrupting our hearts and forgive us for subscribing to this system that he has set up and for accumulating wealth and, and in, in putting our security in what he has set up. I know God that you, you don't really, you're not really after our money but you really care about the condition of our hearts. So we say, Father, today, in, in response to this message, that, that you are our security. We affirm and we believe that you are the source of life. You are... Everything we receive in life is really yours, besides life. And of course, the life to come. You bless us with abilities. You provide us with, you provide us with opportunities. You supply us with energies. 
oh God, we submit to you. We renounce the values we are used, that we, that we used to live by. We want to live by the law of the harvest. We want to invite you to get involved in our finances. Tear down those strongholds. Free us from the spirit of mammon that grips us. We believe and we proclaim that we are financially and eternally secure because we are always in your love and we are forever yours. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's rise and we close with this song.
Father, we just pray that you work in our hearts, O Lord, as we leave this place. You will teach us how to be generous, O Father. To give, O Lord, not just to give out of convenience, but to give sacrificially. And Father, would you open our eyes, O Lord, to see where the need is. And would you release the grip of our hands on what we have and just give. And Father, as we learn how to give, O Lord, would you teach us Oh Lord, to be content and to just appreciate, oh Father, all the great gifts you've given to us. Use us, oh Father, as we leave this space, be with us. Pray all this in your most holy and precious name. Amen.